0: Vaigriji Welcome everyone. I'm really pleased to be starting the Jabji Sahib course. We've been through the Mool Mantra so far. And now this journey that we're going to be going on is of immense importance. We're going to be undertaking an absolute roller coaster. This Barney goes through the absolute peaks and troughs that you can imagine. It takes you right outside into the expanses of space, to the edges of the universe and it brings you right back into the very core of your own existence, right to the root of who you are. This is the most significant Bani, which is why when Guru Arjan Dev Ji compiled the Guru Granth Sahib Ji, he decided that it must begin with Siri Japji Sahib. What we've learned so far Has been described as the moon, the root. But there are a couple of questions that have to be asked around the root. No root is formed out of nothing, all plants begin with a seed. So if this is the Mool Mantar that we've been covering so far, then what is the seed? And if it is a root, then what is the plant? What is the tree? You see, the root on its own doesn't have any meaning. It comes from somewhere. And Gurbani has these analogies. So while we've been talking about the Mool Mantar, there's another type of mantra that Gurbani talks about, which is Bij mantra. Bij. And in Punjabi, the word Bij means seed. So while we've been discussing the mool mantra, there is a seed that sits behind all of it. When we've gone through the Mool Mantra and we've known that every single word in the Mool Mantra is actually talking about the same thing, that seed now becomes a little bit clearer. The seed is Ik. The bead, the root, comes from a seed. The root has some form, but the seed is absolutely formless. In Punjabi, we'll use the word sukham, which means subtle, almost invisible, very subtle. So the beej is sukham, almost invisible. The root has some structure. The root is what holds the whole thing together. Without the root, nothing can grow. Japji Sahib is now the beginning of the tree. In fact, Japji Sahib explains everything. The entire universe is explained in the Japji Sahib. The entire system that's been created is explained in the Japji Sahib. The rest of Guru Granth Sahib can be understood like the tree, the leaves, the branches, the fruit, the flowers, that is the rest of Gurbani. But the bark, the main trunk, is the Japji Sahib. And you can see that actually Guru Granth Sahib is structured in these ways. There is one Japji Sahib, out of which lots of Bani comes, And the Bani is divided into almost different flavors, which are categorized in the different Rags. So Rags can almost be seen as flavors, different branches of this tree. But the Japji Saab is what the tree is made of, and the Mool Mantar is what the tree is supported by. But ultimately, it's all talking about Ik, which is the Bij, which is the very essence without which the tree cannot even begin. Gurbani uses the analogy that look at the size of a tree and the entire tree exists within the seed. Yeah? The whole tree is there in the seed itself. The entire tree that you see started from something which to us looks completely insignificant, yet the whole tree exists in a tiny little seed. And in the same way, all of creation, the entire universe, can be seen as the tree, but it all comes from that one. Without the one, nothing can exist. And in fact, the one exists throughout the tree. There's no distinction between the seed, the root, and the tree. They're all part of the same thing. So you can say that the tree is the seed. The tree is the roots. This now helps us to understand that we're not talking about something separate. The notion that there is a God that sits somewhere separate from the tree doesn't hold any weight with this analogy. The whole of the universe is the oneness. The oneness is never separate from the universe. The oneness can exist without the universe but the universe cannot exist without the oneness. So this is the adventure that we are about to go on with this Japji Sahib. So let's start with a little bit of a background an introduction to the Japji Sahib. Who created the Japji Sahib? If we look at all the baniya that's written in Guru Granth Sahib Ji, all of them have been attributed to an author. Look at Sukhmani Sahib. It tells you Mahalla Panjma, Gauri Sukhmani Mahalla Panjma. Look at Anand Sahib, Ramkali Mahalla tija Guru Amar Das Ji. Now. Japji Sahib doesn't have a mahalla written. It doesn't have the name of a guru attributed to it. Yet all the historians, all the renowned scholars within our tradition, all agree that Japji Sahib belongs to Guru Nanak Dev Ji. It has been authored and written by Guru Nanak Dev Ji, the first guru. And again, if we look at Guru Granth Sahib Ji, all the Baniya, whenever they've been written, have been written in the Guru order. So within any rag, the Shabads always begin with Guru Nanak Dev Ji Shabad in that rag. Then they follow the order of the the Gurus. So it makes sense that Guru Granth Sahib Ji, the entire Granth, begins with a Bani by the first Guru. So it was written by Guru Nanak Dev Ji. Where was it written? Again, all the scholars agree that it was written in the town of Kartarpur. Remember we talked about this town before, when we covered the subject Kartarpurk. And the town was land that was donated to Guru Nanak Dev Ji. And where Guru Nanak Dev Ji would traditionally have used his name to say that this town, this land belongs to me, Guru Nanak Dev Ji doesn't put his name to that town. He puts the one, the creator, as the name and the owner of that town, saying that this town belongs to thee, the oneness, Kartarpur. We also know that Guru Nanak Dev Ji settled in Kartarpur, after he completed his four travels, his char udasis, So that also gives us an idea of when the Japji Sahib was written. So it's in the later stage of Guru Nanak Dev Ji's life. So this isn't necessarily the first Shabad or the first Bani that Guru Nanak Dev Ji has written. Because we hear of stories as Guru Nanak Dev Ji is traveling around in his four odasis, as he's having conversations with different people. The conversations, for example, let's look at the Sid Gorsht. The Sid Gosh is a conversation with the holy yogis and the sadhus of the time. But that happens when Guru Nanak Dev Ji is quite young. In that Shabad, Guru Nanak Dev Ji is referred to as a boy, as a young man. The Sids, who are the The elders refer to him as Balak, as a child. So we know that certain Baniya have been written before the Japji Sahib. So this isn't the first Bani that Guru Nanak Dev Ji has written. It's written in the later half of Guru Nanak Dev Ji's life. What is the structure of the Japji Sahib? The structure of the Japji Sahib follows a similar structure that's been used by the Vedas and the historic grants of that time. All the historic grants of that time begin with Om as the opening statement, the opening word. Guru Nanak Dev Ji begins with Ik and we talked about right at the beginning the difference between om Aum and onkar and ik onkar and why guru nanak dev ji places ik in front of om then it begins as in all the historic grants and the vedas at the time it begins with what is known as Mangla charan the opening statement and within the japji sahib The Mool mantra from Ikonkar to Gur Prasad is known as Manglacharan. And Manglacharan is an invocation. It is a praise to the one who you're going to be talking about. It's your opening prayer. It's praise of the one, the deity. Normally it would be in the other Vedas and the Grants, it would be deities. So there would be a Mangla Charan towards Ganesh or Saraswati. Here, Guruji says that if we're going to do a Mangla Charan, we're going to do one who created the Ganesh and the Devi Devde and the Shivas and the Brahmas. We're going to be talking about that ik. So the Mangalacharan is not of a Devi Devate, but for the Karta, the one who created all the Devi Devate, the one who created all of the universe and all of creation. Then we go on to, after the Mangalacharan, we go on to the title. The title of the composition is Jap. So after Gurprasad, you have a full stop. And you'll notice in your Gurke, mm-hmm. you'll see that Ikonkar Gurprasad Prasad is written as one long phrase. And after that, you have a full stop. Then you get Jap. The title that we refer to of this Bani Japji Sahib comes from this word, Jap. That is the title of this composition. In a, in a similar way to the other compositions that we know, Gauri Sukhmani. Ramkali Mahalati Ja Anand. We call Anand Sahib Anand. We call Sukhmani Sahib Sukhmani because it derives from the title is in there in the beginning. So the title of this composition is Jap. Then we get another full stop. Then this Bani starts with a Salok and ends with a Salok. So the next part, we have Charan, we have title, then we have an opening salok. The opening salok is Aad sach jugad jugad-sach, hai-bhi-sach, nanak-hosi-bhi-sach. And again, after that, you see that there is a pause. So if you look in your gutke, if you're following it along, you'll see that you'll see title, jap, full stop. Aad sach jugad-sach, full stop. Hai such sach nanak hosi such sach full stop. So this salok is made of two lines. Aad sach jugad sach Hai bhi He-bhi-sach, such. sach, nanak hosi bhi sach. So that is your opening Salok. And it ends with number one. That's the end of Salok number one. Then there are 38 bodies or 38 verses. This is the content of the Japji Sahib. This is the main content of the Japji Sahib. And... The end of Japji Sahib also ends with a salok. And there the salok is titled Salok Pavan Guru Pani Pita. So the last salok actually says the word salok in there. But the opening salok doesn't say the word salok. It doesn't say Prasad Jap Salok. Ad such, Jugad such. So, how do we know that this is a Salok? This same Salok appears in Sukhmani Sahib as well. At the beginning of Ashtpati number 17, it says Salok. Ad such, Jugad such. There's a slight difference in spelling. But that's how we know that this is a salok. This isn't a pauri. This isn't a verse of Japji Sahib. This is not the first verse of Japji Sahib. This is a salok. It stands alone. Then we have the 38 verses. Then we have the final salok. Bhavan Guru. Pani Pata. So this is your structure of Japji Sahib. Now how can we say that Japji Sahib starts with a Mangala Charan and that Ikonkar to Guru Prasad is the Mangala Charan, is the invocation? If you look at Guru Granth Sahib Ji, some will argue that Ikonkar to gurprasad is not related to japji Sadh. Ikonkar to gurprasad is a stand-alone mantra, is a mangla that stands on its own. It's not in continuation with jap ad saj jap How do we know that to be true? Because in Guru Granth Sahib Ji, the Ikonkar to Gurprasad Mangalacharan has been used all throughout Guru Granth Sabji. At the beginning of every rag, it begins with Ikkumkar to Guru Prasad. The full mantra is stated at the beginning of every rag. And abbreviations of this is used within every rag. Every time an author changes within a rag, you have ekonkar satgur prasad or some variation of the mangla charan itself. So the mool Mantar is ekonkar to kur prasad and it stands alone. It's not related to jap onwards. Jap is the beginning of the next composition. Just as you have ekonkar all the way to kur prasad and then you have the beginning of rag and all the shabads within the rag. Ikkunkar to gurprasad stands on its own it's not an incomplete mantra now having said that there are two schools of thought i can only present you the one based on my research is the one that resonates more with me but there are two schools of so- thought that say that the Mool mantra is ikkunkar all the way to nanak or cp such yeah? There are two schools of thought. And they all have perfectly valid arguments why it is Ikkunkar to Nanak Hosi be such or Ikkunkar to Gur parsad. For me, the discussion is very academic. And to me, I don't think it makes much difference. Because ultimately, it's all Bani. Ultimately, it all belongs to Guru Nanak Dev Ji. We have to learn the message of all the words in Siri Guru Granth so it's really an academic discussion where the Mool Mantra ends yeah but I will present to you the one that is based on my own research is the one that feels like it resonates more with me but by no means should you take this as the gospel truth yeah in fact take nothing that I say to be true please go away do your own research Yeah. I can only present to you whatever I've read, whatever I've learned, whatever I've understood, but that doesn't mean that my version is the true version. Yeah. These conversations have been going on for hundreds of years. Where does the Mool Mantra end? And I'm no one to give the definitive answer. Yeah. So go away, do your own research. But ultimately I don't think it should be a source of argument. If you're going to meditate, meditate on whichever one resonates with you, whichever one feels comfortable with you. Most of us have been brought up with to nana ko such and that's that's fine. It doesn't really matter. It's all Barney at the end of the day. Not one is right and one is wrong. Yeah? That's not that's not where we should be taking this. So we've taken and understanding so far. We've started this journey. The journey started with ik and it took us all the way through to Gur Prasad, and we talked about what is Guru. Now comes ja. So, as always, it's very important that we look at the spelling. This spelling of jab means the chant, the recitation, the understanding. Remember we talked about words that end with ankar mean that they are a noun, which means this is a name. This isn't an instruction. This isn't an instruction saying recite. This is the recitation, the chant. Another meaning of the word jap is to know. Another meaning of the word jap is to know, the understanding, the knowledge. But this is a noun and this is a singular word. where do we see examples of this word in gurbani a Shabbat that we're familiar with that we hear jap tap sanjam taram kamaya seva sadhana, janya, hararaya. there you see this spelling jap has an ankar tap has an ankar yeah? sanjam has an ankar so what it means is i have not done the recitation I have not done the tapasya, that hard, difficult meditation. I have not done the sanjam, that control, that self-restraint. Taram has an anchor. Jap, tap, sanjam, taram, nakamaya. I have not done these things. So these aren't actions. These are saying these nouns, these specific entities, I have not done them. I have not earned them. Jap. Tap sanjam taram na kamaya. So that's where we see this spelling. But there are obviously other ways to spell this word. Another way to spell this word is without the ankar. And any word without the ankar is called a mukta. Mukta means free. This then becomes a plural word. If Ankar is a singular word, the Mukta word is plural. So the word Jap, which is Mukta, means chants. It's plural, chants, all chants. And we see this spelling when we see the Shabad asank Jap, Asankh Pa. Asankh means countless. A jap, countless recitations, countless chantings, countless chants. There we see this spelling. Now it makes sense why it's a plural word. This is a singular word. Jap, tap, sanjamna, taramna, jap, Jap and jap have interchangeable meanings as well. And we'll come on to an example of that. There's a third way to spell this word and that's Jap with a Sihari. And we talked about Sihari having multiple meanings. One of the meanings is that Sihari words are generally feminine. Here, we know that the word is masculine. So we don't make the word into a feminine word by adding a Sihari. So another reason why we add a Sihari means that it becomes from a noun to a verb. From a name, it becomes a doing word. This is now reciting. It's an action that you do, reciting, recitation. The doing of Jap is spelt like this. It means to recite. It's an instruction to yourself or an instruction to others. Jap with a Sihari. The reason I'm going through all of this is that when we look at the beginning of Jap, then we know which one we're referring to. Yeah, We have to have an appreciation that there are many different ways and there are many arguments that people have. No, this Jap means this or it means that. The spelling clarifies it. If it's an action, it means this. Where do we see this spelling? In Shabads like, Jap man mere govind ki baani. There you're telling your mind, Oh my mind, do this action. Japa man mere, Oh my mind, do this action. Govind ki bani Jap jan, sada sada din rani. O Sevaks, O Servants, meditate, do this action, Sada Sada, all the time, din rani, day and night. The Sihari also has a different meaning and this is where you start to appreciate how complicated Gurbani's grammatical rules are. The Sihari itself has about 17 or 18 different meanings in Gurbani. And I don't know them all. (laughs) I don't even know two or three of them. This is the very basic level of grammar. If you want to study grammar, there's a very good book written by Professor Saib Singh, which is all about Gurbani Vyakaran. Vyakaran is grammar. And the grammar of Gurmukhi is different to the grammar of Punjabi. Punjabi doesn't have one word with different vowels at the end, which all mean different things. Yeah, Gurmukhi does. Because Gurmukhi is trying to fit words into musical measures, it shortens words, elongates words, because it's trying to fit them within poetry. All of Gurbani is written in poetry. So, as well as this being an action, a verb, Jap also means the actions have a consequence. So, by reciting, this and this will happen. By doing Jap, Dinal. By reciting, it also means by doing that. Through reciting. So we see a line in Gurbani which is with this spelling, Jup Kama. by doing this, all your actions will become resolved. All your affairs will be resolved. Jup by doing this, Puran kama. So that's where we see this spelling here. So when we understand these different spellings. Then we can also see Shabads where the same word with different spellings appears within one sentence. So, in one sentence, we get two spellings of jap, two different spellings of jap. So, the first one jap here means the chant, the second one means to do that chant. Oh, my mind, the chant, recite the chant of Jagannath, the master of the universe. First one is a noun. Mere man, jap, jap, jagannath. This jap, do it. Yeah? The jap of Jagannath, the recitation of the master of the universe, do that one. In the same way we have a Shabad art Pahir, Prabh Ka, jab Jaap. There Jaap is spelled in the same way. Jaap, with a Sihari, do it. And it follows the same rules. If Jaap doesn't have a Sihari, then it's the the recitation. So, this is the instruction. Art Pahar Jap Jap. Does that make sense? This is the recitation. This is the action. This is the thing that has to be done. This is the actual doing of it. Art Pahar Jap Jap. So, then when we look back at our Japji jisab, we know which Jap we are talking about. We're not talking about an instruction. You'll see in your English translations, it says, Gur by the Guru's grace, Jap, recite, like it's an instruction. And then it almost describes it as, recite the following, Ad such, such. Yeah? But that would have to have a different spelling. If that Jap, if the title of the Bani is do this recitation, if it's telling you to do an action then it would have to be spelt with a sehari. But it's not. It's spelt with an Ankar which means this is a title, the recitation. The name of the composition is Jap. So like Anand Sahib is the name of Anand Sahib, it implies that by reading it, you will get Anand. Like Sukhmani Sahib implies that by reading it, you will enter or you will receive the money. Money means treasure, the treasure of peace, the treasure of happiness, Sukhmani. Why is this Shabbat called ja? Because of the second meaning of jab. Jab means recitation, but it also means understanding. Jabji Sahib is the knowledge. This is the knowledge of the entire Guru Granth Sahib. This is the structure. This is the whole tree that the, that the, that the rest of the Shabads are talking about. And even though the mool the Mool Mantar is only made up of a handful of words. Don't think of the Mool mantra as these tiny, scrawny little roots. Think about this huge tree. They say that the size of the tree, that's how big the roots are. That's how deep the roots go underground. Yeah? What you see of the tree is only half the tree. The other half is the size of the roots. Now imagine an absolutely gigantic tree. The whole of the Guru Granth Sahib, the Mool Mantar, is what the Guru Granth Sahib is standing on. You cannot understand Guru Granth Sahib Ji if you do not understand the Mool Mantar. You cannot understand the Mool Mantar if you do not understand Ik. If you don't know the seed. If you don't know that subtle thing that it's talking about. So, the reason this verse, this composition is known as Jap is because this is the knowledge. This is what we're talking about. This is the understanding that we have to have. Then we move on. Aad such. The word Aad means primal beginning yeah like beyond anything right at the source at the root odd right at the if there was a beginning it was there yeah such is an interesting word such means truth. Remember, when we talked about satanam, we said there's two definitions in Sanskrit for sat. One is sat without a sahari. Yeah? sat. That means truth. One is satya, which means existence. Satanam is leaning more towards existence. Such is a different word, and that's why when you look at your English translations, Satnam means his name is Truth, and Ad Such means always Truth or always True. But why would Guruji use two different words to mean Truth? They have to have two different meanings, and they are very subtle different meanings. Such means permanent such means something that is always going to stay the same a truth that never changes so for example the speed of light we say that's truth that's a fact but it is plausible that in a different universe in a different dimension light travels at a different speed possible That means that the speed of light is actually only true within the boundaries of this universe. In a different universe, it could work in a different way. There might not be any light. So it's not a such. All scientists will say this is scientific fact. They're still bound within this universe. Gurbani is talking about a fact that is beyond universes. the such. This is the primal truth. The permanent truth, and this system is true wherever you go. It's beyond any limitations. It's saying that what is, what is ad such? It's the ik that is ad such. Yeah, let's not forget the mulmadir. The ik onkar, that's always true. That's ad such. It's the primal truth. It's before time. Yeah, it's beyond time. Before creation, this such was always true. So such, wherever such is referred to, it means permanent, it means unchanging, something that never changes. So there is this permanent truth. So anything that is changeable is not permanent truth. We can call that asad, as such. Something that is not permanently true. Yeah? Something that can change at some point is false, temporary. Something that has a start and an end is not truth. This is something that has no start and has no end. Always true. And what Gurbani is saying here is that there is a part of you that is such, that is permanent, that is never going to change. There is something within you that is permanent. What are the things that we associate ourselves with? We associate with our body, with our life, with our emotions, with our opinions, with our thoughts, Barney's saying that all these things are false, these are all temporary, these are changeable. Your body is constantly changing day by day. When you were a baby, your body is not, nothing like what it is now, nothing like what it's going to be at the end. Your opinions are always changing. This is something that's really interesting. You're always fighting to defend your opinions, right? We love to have arguments with other people and say, "This is no, this is the truth, this is the right way to think. And yet you yourself will change your mind. So what was the purpose of the argument in the first place? You're fighting for something that you believe to be true, but you need to recognize this is a temporary truth. And if it's temporary, it can't be a truth. It's false. Yeah? Your emotions within a day, how many emotions do you go through? We don't have this nice, serene, constant state. Our emotions are going up and down. Everything that we associate with ourselves is changing. So the whole world is Maya, so the whole world is untrue. Absolutely, the whole world is, is false. Yeah. And this is what Barney says, that the world is false. Not that it's a pack of lies, it's that it's temporary, it's not the ultimate truth. Maya, materialism, the material world, all of creation and existence is ultimately a temporary structure. But behind it all, within it all, is something that's unchanging. It refers to it almost, imagine like a chain of pearls. What we're talking about is the string that binds them all together. The pearls can move around and change, some can fall off, but this is the underlying structure of existence itself, is this truth. This is the, the thing that holds us all together. If the universe dissolves, that underlying structure remains. So such is saying that you are not your temporary body, you're not your mind, you're not your opinions, you're not your thoughts, you're not your family, you're not your situation, you're not your career. Remember the um, analogy of the, the, the wall, the fortress that we b- build around us? This is everything that we associate ourselves to be. You are none of those things. You are the light within that. That is the only permanent truth. Yes, well, it's not your soul. It is the soul. Yes. Yes. It can't be your soul. Because what does that your soul belong to? If you say it's your soul, then it belongs to that structure. It's the soul. The only one soul that exists. The only one life that exists. That's why soul is a tricky word. We, 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 we fall into traps when we try and take Gurmat words and we try and match them with English words or Western words. Because they all have, they have different connotations. Soul implies a personal soul. Atma isn't soul. Atma is a ray of sunlight that belongs to the Paramatma. Like a ray of light belongs to the sun. It's not independent of the sun. It's just a ray of light from the sun. In the same way, our light is just a spark of that divine light. The drop within the ocean. Yeah, You're not a soul. You're a drop within the ocean. You just can't see the ocean. That's the only difference. Yeah? Guru Nanak Devjit is here to show you the ocean. That you're already in. That you're a part of. Yeah? But this truth is always true. So the things that we associate with, we have to now step back and say, are these true? Is this permanent? Is this something I have to live with? Is this something that's going to change? there's a a Sufi story, an old Persian story. It talks about a king who was very sad and going into almost depression. And he gathered all of his wise men and he set them a task. He said, I want you to find me something that makes me happy when I'm sad. But should make me sad when I'm happy. They had a lot of time in their hands in the old days. so They had nice riddles to set, you know, make. Otherwise, it's very easy to find something that makes you happy when you're sad. He said, find me something that makes me happy when I'm sad, but sad when I'm happy. And all the wise men went away and they pondered over this challenge. What is, what is this one thing that can do it? They had a think, and they came back with a ring. And within the ring, there was inscription. The inscription on the ring said, This too shall pass. At any moment in your life, whatever your situation, whatever your state of mind, whether you're happy, whether you're sad, whether you're up, whether you're down, this will pass. This too shall pass. When you're in sadness, you know this is temporary, this will pass. When you're in happiness, remember, this will pass. This is the mindset of the Gurmukh, of the Guru facing, the one who knows this knowledge. That at any moment, I shall not associate with the temporary things that are happening in my life. We talked about this story before. There was a holy man who had lost his son. His son had just passed away. His wife was obviously very distraught. But this man seemed to be unaffected. And she goes to her husband And she says, I'm trying to understand why you're not upset. You loved that boy so much. You had such a deep bond and a relationship with that boy. Now that he is gone, why are you not upset by it? He said, at first, when it first happened, I was upset. But then it occurred to me that I've known happiness without him. Before he was born, I was perfectly happy. I knew how to be happy before he was born. Then he came, I was happy. Now he's gone, I've just gone back to a state of what he was like without him. I've known how to be happy without him. So everything should be seen like a dream. Temporary state of mind. Guru Tegh Bahadur ji, Mahala Mahalanoa, he tells you, Jagarachana sabchut hai, le ho remi. Oh, friend, this creation is false. Supane jo sansar. The whole creation is like a dream. We see this example time and time again. The Char Sayabzadeh Guru Gobind Singh ji says, That's fine, they've gone. I accept. I know what it's like to be happy with them. I know what it's like to be happy without them. such is talking about this. Within you, there is something permanent. There's a permanent truth that Guru Nanak Dev Ji wants you to connect with within yourself. Find that part of you that's unchanging. That truth within you, that light within you. The one that's older than your body. The one that's always there. Yeah, we're always running after what the mind wants next. We're always running after the pleasure of the senses. Yeah? Satisfying the mind. This is something that's beyond your even your breath. These are all temporary things. Even your breath, your body, your mind... Your thoughts, your senses, your experiences, your memories, they're all temporary. Don't hold on to any of these. You are something more. You are Ardhsach. You are primal truth. Don't associate with these things. All of these things are dependent on creation. They're dependent on the elements, yeah? All the the Vedic scriptures and the, the old scriptures talk about the world being made of five elements, Yeah? Earth, wind, fire, uh, water, and spirit, ether. Yeah? It says the whole of creation is reliant on these things. You're not. Your body is, your mind is, your senses are, your thoughts are, your experiences, your world, your memories, your lifestyle, they're all dependent on these five elements. You are not. You are something more. And you're permanent. These things are perishable. The truth is permanent. Permanent and temporary can't be the same thing. They coexist right now. The temporary universe coexists with the permanent universe but don't associate with a temporary universe. Is that duality. That's the ultimate duality. Yeah. That is what duality is. The duality comes from the fact that I am. I am this body, I am that. So when you associate with your temporariness, then you associate everyone else with their temporariness. If I am this body, then I'm not you. And you're not me. But the wise men and the sadhus and the holy sages, they're saying something else. They're saying, I am you and you are me. Tohi mohi, mohi tohi, antar kaisa. I can't see the difference. So they're talking about something else. They've understood this. Yeah? You are light. All these things that you associate with are darkness. Light and darkness aren't the same thing. Don't associate with your darkness. Associate with your light. That's what Guru Nanak is saying here. Adh, such. There's something about you that is beyond this. Yeah? Not Mr. God. Don't care about Mr. God. You are God. Juga such. So the first word is Ad. The second word, Jug'ad. It's the same word as Ad. It's Jug'ad. If Ad means beginning, Jug is the ages. So this is now talking about the beginning of the ages. Yeah, the four Jugs. The beginning of time is another way that you can talk about this. So Aad is talking about a time before any of creation. Jugaad is the beginning of this creation, of this universe. But remember that what we're talking about is indifferent to creation. So it was perfectly complete when it was in its succumb state, in its subtle state. In its nirgun state, in its formless state. It was perfectly complete. When the whole of the universe was created, it didn't add anything more to it. It doesn't make it more, doesn't make it greater. It was complete in the beginning. It was such. It was perfect right at the beginning. When the universe created, at the beginning of time, it was also perfect then. So the universe, the oneness, doesn't become any more with the whole universe b- being created. When this entire universe is destroyed, and it's a when, not an if, we know that the universe is expanding, we know that the universe will eventually come to an end. When this universe is destroyed, the oneness is no less. Think about the size of the universe. Think, we can't even imagine the grandeur and the scale of this thing that that has been created. And yet, when it all disappears, the oneness is still as complete as it ever was. It's not more complete with creation, it's not less complete without creation. It is complete, it's perfect. It just is. This is the system. Ad such, in the beginning it was permanent truth. At the beginning of time, jugad such, it was permanent truth. Have he such? Now, have he? Bhi. This very moment, right here, right now, it's perfect. It's true. Have he such? Within this time, within this creation it remains as it always was it wasn't any different at the beginning of creation and it's not any different now it just is it's there so what we're talking about has no dependence on this universe nanak hosi bhi such it will be hosi bhi such nanak says It will always be that permanent truth. It will forever remain true and it will remain unchanging. This is the interesting word. It's unchanging. As the universe changes, the ik doesn't change. The oneness cannot change. Hosi bhi says. It remains permanently unchanging. Yeah, let's move away from this word truth. It's more than Truth. It's permanently truth. It's unchanging truth. Even if the universe is destroyed, it will not be destroyed. So here Guru Nanak Dev Ji is starting to introduce the relationship between oneness and time. But it mentions four types of time. Ad is beyond time, before time itself. What is time? If we look at time, time is related to this universe. Our notion of time only begins when this universe began. Yeah? Our notion of time only begins when this universe begins. We can only measure our time based on how old we think the universe is. Jugad is about the beginning of whatever we understand to be creation, yeah? There's no specific idea here that which creation we're talking about. It's just since the beginning of something, the jugs. So time is limited, is lim- our understanding of time is limited to this creation. Herbhi he such. Yeah, so Guru Nanak is introducing time. Jugad, beginning, past, present, hebhi, future, hosi. But are there something before that? Are there something beyond time? But so there are three states of time that we're all aware of: past, present, future. Guru Nanak includes all of those and the one beyond time. So we're not limited what we're talking about is not limited to this universe. but time is false. time is limited to this universe and Sukmani Saab says that there have been many universes this is not the first time this universe has happened and some people believe that the jugs actually are talking about a pre-universe. yeah Sukmani Saab. Says, "Kai bar pasar." Many times this expanse has expanded. Sada sada ekankar, but the ik is sada sada. That ekankar is forever. So, Sahib, yeah. So, Guru Dev is introducing this concept of time now. Now, I want to end with Nanak. There are three different spellings of Nanak. So which one is this? And what do they mean? Yeah, The Gurus are very specific. They don't do anything. There's not a single vowel, not a single letter that's out of place. That's not a single thing that doesn't have a meaning. It's trying to tell you something. So let's go through these and then we'll come to an end. This is how it's spelled. Nanak Hosi such. Here... We will say that this is Mukta. Yeah? It doesn't have an Ankar, it doesn't have a Sihari, it's free. This Nanak means Nanak talking about himself in the third person. Nanak says. It's like if I were to say everything Satpal says. Like I'm talking about myself like I'm a separate person. Yeah? So it's called talking about yourself in the third person, referring to yourself. So this is by far the most prominent one that we see in Gurbani. Kahe Nanak. Nanak says. So it's interesting because Guru Nanak doesn't even associate with himself. He's not saying, I say. as if it says, I say, come and worship me. I'm the, I'm the authority. He's referring to himself almost as though he doesn't exist. Yeah? But in other places, it does say, Mere Man, O me, O mind. Yeah? So there are lots of places where obviously it's referring to itself, but we can use that. We can use that. When we're reciting that, we're, we're talking to ourselves. Yeah? So this first spelling of Nanak is Nanak talking about himself in the third person. It's from the third-person perspective. Nanak says, the second spelling with an Ankar is the Guru referring to themselves as Nanak in the present tense. It's present tense. Yeah? Guru referring to themselves as Nanak in the present tense. So all the Gurus, which have... They're almost talking to themselves or about themselves. Yeah? So in Japji Sahib, we have a line, Nanak neech Kahe Vichar. Yeah? That's saying that the person Nanak, this person Nanak, is Nich, is low. Yeah? And this is the, the Vichar that I'm saying. So it's referring to themselves. So when the Guru is telling the reader about himself in the present tense, then he refers this. Yeah? Then he uses this spelling. And you'll see that a few times in, in Gurbani as well. The other reason that this spelling is used is if they're talking about the first Guru. Remember with an Ankar, it's a noun, yeah? it's a name. So either the gurus who call themselves Nanak are talking about themselves now or they're talking about the first guru. And we see a shabad, sabte vada satguru nanak. This has an onkar. This is saying of all the gurus, the greatest was Nanak. That's actually talking about the person, Guru Nanak, the first guru. When you have other people, patani bani, who are, who are singing praises of the gurus they'll refer to nanak with an Ankar. yeah they're referring to that person yeah nanak tu tu hi tu vicharya yeah you are known as nanak you are yeah so this is nanak referring to himself or somebody referring to the first guru the third one is even more tricky and Doesn't appear very many times at all. It's the gurus referring to the self as Nanak in the past tense. So here we might say, Nanak has done this, or Nanak did this. You do it in the past tense. Nanak has. Nanak has seen this, Nanak has done this. Yeah? Referring to Nanak in the past tense. So, it's any guru referring to themselves as Nanak in the past tense. So now we understand Nanak Hosi be such is not saying Nanak is true. Yeah? Otherwise, he would have to be with this. Nanak will be true. Yeah? And it can't be this because Hosi Bi is in the future and this is in the past. With the Sihari, it's in the past. So it's, Nanak says. Nanak says, Nanak sat. it will be true. And this is gonna be very important when we come across any Shabads actually, then you start seeing where these words fit in and where the translations sometimes make mistakes. So we should be very appreciative of the translations because they're a great starting point. But when you understand some of these rules, you'll see where the translations have not followed these rules. Yeah? Aad such, jugad such, bhi such, nanak, hosi bhi such. It's a good place to stop, I think. Thank you very much. See you all next week. Waigujika Khalsa.